Hi, I'm Carol Pope, and you're listening to The Stewie Tunes Show with Tony Stewart and Aaron Badgley. Lip syncing has always been a part of the history of pop music. Today, we're going to be looking at why that is. And the truth is, it's not always a bad thing. But when musicians or producers intentionally try to deceive fans, then you've got a problem. It was 30 years ago today that Frank Farian, producer for Millie Vanilli, admitted that Fab Morvan and Rob Pilatus didn't actually sing on any of the pop duo's hit albums after the pair got caught lip-syncing on an MTV Live performance. Let's lift the curtain a little bit on one of pop music's dirty little secrets. Welcome to the Stewie Tune Show. These are insights and commentary on the music and musicians that shape our lives. And now, let's go back to class with your hosts, Tony Stewart and Aaron Badgley. Good evening, Mr. Badgley. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Mr. Stewart. How about yourself? I am doing well. Uh, busy, though. Uh, today was the last day of classes for that first little quadmester that they call it, and... Uh, I'm going to be up to my uh, eyeballs tomorrow marking, but at least it's uh, Beatles Project, so it's all good. That's very good. And I just want to thank you for inviting me to your class to speak to the grade nines, uh, music, grade nine music class to talk about the Beatles. So uh, thank you very much. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The kids had great questions, and uh, it was a real fun time. Yeah, and you know these projects that they handed in, their uh, final projects, were uh, pretty amazing. So uh, obviously, obviously they got something out of that, which is great. Now, tonight, we've got a really interesting topic, I think. Um, We're going to be talking about lip syncing, and we're going to be approaching this from a bunch of different angles. But I think the first thing we need to do is, uh, you had mentioned before the show that you actually looked up a definition (laughs) of lip lip syncing. So let's uh, let's hear the official definition of what a lip sync is. The official Oxford language's definition is when an actor or a singer move the lips slightly, silently, not slightly, but silently in synchronization with a pre-recorded soundtrack. So in other words, they're mouthing and something else is coming out with it's not their voice at the time. So. Yeah. And I think most people are aware of that, but just in case that's what lip syncing is, it's like pretending basically is a plain English way of saying it, pretending, and you've got a backing track on, you know, uh, lip syncing has been a part of pop music and rock music, since there's been pop music and uh, rock music. But uh, where did this all get started, this whole lip syncing thing? Well, you know, it it really comes from two areas, right? Well, three. But so the first thing I'm going to talk a bit about is that the the, the real start of it came from movies, really. If you think about it, back in the um, 20s and 30s, the late 20s when they got sound, they didn't have lip syncing. They didn't have the capability of playing back a song and someone mouthing the words. But then in the 30s, they developed a technology where they could play the records. So if you look at those old, old musical films from the 30s, 40s, and 50s, 60s, they're people lip-syncing. And that's where it kind of started, sort of. But at the same time, did you ever hear of a thing, um, what's the minute? It's called a panoram? A panoram? No, I haven't. So panorams were these contraptions that were made, and it's kind of pre-TV TV, that had, it was like a jukebox. It was actually a jukebox, but instead of records, 78s, which is what most jukeboxes at the time had, it had 16 millimeter films hmm. and they had different artists lip syncing to their newest hits. So you could see Doris Day or 
uh, who knows, Spike Jones or, you know, all those, all those artists from the time, my brain, my brain just went blank. That's Waller, Duke Ellington, uh, Mills Brothers did a whole bunch. And they've actually survived, Tony. You can still, there's, they're in the archives, but they were, they were lip syncing. They weren't singing live to tape. Um, and at the same time, this is all going on. Musicians were kind of getting scared about records because up until the 30s, you know, you, to hear music, you had to go and hear it live. We've mm-hmm. talked about this before, right? I mean, you could, the whole concept of buying music and bringing it home and putting it on a record player and listening to it was pretty, pretty novel at the time in the 30s and 40s. So the Musicians Union, especially in the UK, petitioned the government and said, this isn't right. We need, if you play records on the radio, we're going to be toast. So they developed something called needle time. And get this, it was in effect in England until 1988. They could only play a certain amount of hours a day on BBC One and BBC Two of records, pre-recorded records. I mean, radio stations nowadays here, it's just all pre-recorded. But then yeah. they had live music. When they weren't banning it, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's, they weren't singing "I'll Be Home for Christmas." Let me tell you that, <laughs> <laughs> folks. That's a reference to uh, an episode a couple of episodes ago. But uh, yeah, that was one of the songs that the BBC band was uh, "I'll Be Home for Christmas." <laughs> <laughs> so you know what happened with the whole needle? They called it needle time, and it was called needle time because of needle on a record, right? Artists had to duplicate what they did on record on radio. You know, you couldn't just play your newest record. You had to literally duplicate their song again live. But then when they came to doing it on television, when television kind of broke through, they went, this is silly. This is too much work. So, hence, well, we we talked about this, right? Like you just mentioned rock and roll. I mean, what Elvis film doesn't have lip syncing in it? Oh, of course. Of course. And, you know, uh, it's still uh, a major issue. I mean, obviously, we've got technology to line up film and sound, but... uh, Any podcasters out there will know this, that if you start trying to, let's say, for instance, um, use Zoom or something to record your audio for your podcast and you try try lining up separate video and uh, separate audio tracks, you're going to get audio drift and it is really tough to to fix that. You know, so it's still an issue today. I mean, we have ways of dealing with that, obviously, but uh, did you know, I was just thinking of something while you were... um, speaking do you know who uh, the largest employer of musicians was in the 20s no i don't up, up until the early 30s even movie houses oh were the, were the largest employer of musicians professional musicians in north america for silent movies or and, for, and... for silent films yep huh. are you and, serious and, yep yeah every town right had to have at least one and and you're showing the movie more than once seven nights a week right well that's right and so the big theater houses would have huh. sometimes an orchestra, right? And uh, because uh, a lot of the times those old scores were were just notes and they said, here's some suggestions for what you could do. And it wasn't until right into the 30s before they started writing film scores, you know. But uh, yeah, they were the largest employer of musicians in North America. So that See, was pretty See, I didn't know that. That's fantastic. I didn't know that. So Chaplin, when he came out in the 30s with his two silent films, must have annoyed the musicians because he, he wrote the music and had it, you know, Mm-hmm. recorded for the films. I must have been a bit of a drag. Wow, yeah, I didn't no, know it. yeah, no kidding. So uh, when you take a look at uh, lip syncing, it has been a part of television, like you said, for forever. And uh, when you go back and look at shows like American Bandstand or Soul Train or Top of the Pops, 
it was just a given that performers would uh, come on those shows and they would lip sync. And, uh, you know, it was uh, the definition, uh, you know, like a radio show on television was, was what they were doing. 100%. 100%. Playing the records and lip syncing to them, right? Well, that's right. And, uh, you know, in all honesty, it was more important. It was designed to get more radio play and uh, designed to show off the song and to show off the kids dancing and having a good time. And more if you than- look at the, and the charts reflected that. If you got played on American Bandstand, which was one of the most influential shows from the late 50s until the 70s, you had a hit. Yeah, and the same thing, you know, uh, Soul Train, same thing. Um, Solid Gold, remember that? Yeah, yes. Yeah, all those shows were lip-synced. And again, it, I mean, it served a purpose, you know, and, and I know in the introduction to this episode, I was saying sometimes lip-syncing is not all bad. And and uh, that was one of those things you signed up for that show knowing you're going to go on and do a lip-sync performance. And, um, you know, but... Uh, and then there was other shows that, but there were shows that didn't allow it. Like Ed Sullivan never had lip-syncing on his That's show. right. He was live. He was live. And I totally, imagine... Totally live. I wonder if, if a lot of those talk show guys and variety show guys were live, you know, I'm not sure but, like Steve Allen and. Well, they came from radio. Yeah. So it makes sense, right? I mean, Sullivan was a journalist on radio. Steve Allen was on radio. He mm-hmm. was, everything was live on the Steve Allen show, sometimes to a fault because some things happened, which they didn't have tape delay like we have nowadays. Well, that's right. You know, so things would happen. You're like, ah, <laughs> Um, but you know, I mean, there's that famous soupy sales thing, right? Where, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, things were said, they shouldn't have been said and you couldn't cut them in time. And, um, I mean, now you have tape delay. I don't know if people know that, but everything is always delayed by usually 30 seconds. So if someone says something they shouldn't ought to say, they can bleep it. Right. Or that's right. Cut to something else. Most of the time, not, maybe not the, uh, you know, wardrobe malfunctions on the Super Bowl, but other than that, pretty good. Yeah. Well, that's right. Uh, so we move ahead from uh, shows like Bandstand and Soul Train and Solid Gold and Top of the Pops, and we start getting into uh, music videos. And of course, uh, music videos have to be lip synced. That just makes sense. Um, but there was an interesting one that you were telling me about that was totally staged, which I don't think a lot of people would be aware of the U2 well, one. Well, I'm going to eat crow because they actually did play live. Oh, did they? Yes, I did a lot of research, but it was still staged in that they wanted to have the, what they did was they they did the song four times and then they used a mixture of the studio recording and the live recording to make the perfect sound in the video. So it was more of an afterthought. I mean, they actually did play live, but what was staged was the police and the crowd. Okay. That was kind of staged, but I'm going to, I'm going to be humble. And say, you know what, Tony, I made a mistake on that one, but. <sighs> so uh, for anybody who doesn't know, we're talking about U2's uh, video for Where the Streets Have No Name. And they're doing the uh, the rooftop concert in Los Angeles. And now were the parts, you know, with the police chief sitting there threatening the crew, was that all staged as well? That was all staged. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That, was, that was pretty convincing. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, what I read was they ran into the same problems the Beatles had. I mean, the, when the Beatles did their rooftop in London, they wanted the cops to come up and, and literally drag them off. Well, right. You know? Ringo talks about this in anthology, you know, but instead you get these cops kind of digging the music, just watching, as we've talked about. <laughs> you know, same thing happened in LA. These these cops came and they're like, oh, this is pretty, and the crowd was very well behaved and everyone yeah. was. <laughs> so you two was like, come on, guys, like, uh, 
<laughs> they actually played for about, they did seven songs that day. I didn't oh, know. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I didn't know that either. And I suppose I shouldn't be surprised that the uh, police chief was a good actor because everybody's an actor in LA, right? So. <laughs> Spot on, spot on. <laughs> well said. Yeah, no, but 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 there have been videos that you think were live or or they look very live, mm-hmm. uh, and they're not. And and you're right. And music videos, it kind of makes sense because you're gonna, you know, um, sometimes they get doubles in, and, and and people are doing things. You think, oh, that's so and so dancing. It's not. It's a double. You know, that's fine. Yeah. But um, lip sync. Where I have concerns about lip syncing, Tony, is when it goes from TV to concert stage. Yes. And that's, and that's what, I mean. Yeah, we we're talk- going to talk about that in segment two for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But still, we need to get up to that point. <laughs> well, you were mentioning even some of the, you know, some of the albums that we think are live albums. You were mentioning Zeppelin there. and uh, Song Remains the Same, which was really recorded live in the studio. I mean, and re-recorded and overdubbed and they dubbed in the crowd later. And in fact, if you watch the film, a lot of it's filmed on a soundstage in London, and they just cut in the crowd scenes for Madison Square Garden. It wasn't live at all, although it mm. gave that impression. Yes, for sure. So that's starting to get into that territory where it's a little misleading. And even Elton John, uh, um, Benny and the Jets. That's, oh. not, that's not live. That's well, a studio yeah, right. recording. Yeah, I assume that was live. I know, but it's, 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 a, it's a studio recording with the crowd phased in, right? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. You know the other uh, the other big spot where uh, lip syncing is is very commonplace is sporting events like halftime shows, Super Bowl halftime shows, uh, the Grey Cup. I want to hear your story. Yeah, this is a great one. Um, so, for anybody uh, who doesn't know who's listening out there, I'm a former uh, professional musician with the Canadian Forces. So. I uh, I know a bunch of guys in the uh, central band here in Ottawa, and uh, they were saying they you know they got to play uh, at the Grey Cup, and you know when it was in Ottawa, and they weren't playing live out on the field. They ever it was pre-recorded, and they had to stand there with their instruments and pretend to play. And they said it was the most ridiculous thing. But I suppose it makes sense because you don't know what the weather's going to do, and you. Um, you know, uh, temperatures like that can just be a mess for tuning on your instruments and things, but still very, very odd to have them standing there pretending to play, you know? I, I, I can't imagine what that feels like. Like, yeah. wouldn't you just want to break out and start playing your instrument? Yeah, exactly. You know, or maybe like yeah, they may have been playing really quietly along with well, it. Just to, <laughs> because it's not as easy as it looks. Like, you know, lip syncing when you're singing is one thing, but trying to, trying to, play a horn and make it look like you're playing when you're not is really, <laughs> really, really tough. Yeah. Well, and, and, and to not make noise. Yes. I mean, guitars are one thing, but I mean, you're, you know, blowing into this horn and you're not going to make any noise at all. I mean, but it's, 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 it's fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I found that interesting too, but, uh, all those, uh, a lot of those famous, uh, Super Bowl halftime performances, uh, I was reading Whitney Houston's big Super Bowl performance was uh lip synced uh do you know whose performance was lip synced and i didn't know this who uh michael jackson when he uh when he did the moonwalk for the first That's time right. when it was, was the 25th motown thing right yep that was a lip synced performance and i did not know that really 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, but that's Jackson. I mean, he was a he was a consummate performer, right? Yes. And, yes. You know, but uh, and let's face it, what do we remember about that special more Full than much. anything? The moonwalk, right? That's right. That ten seconds of moonwalking. Exactly. There, right? <laughs> that's what you kind of focus on. I didn't know that Jennifer Hudson lip synced her uh, halftime show. I didn't know that either. It came as a surprise to me. But you know what? We're going to, uh, in segment two here, we'll talk about some uh, people who've been accused of lip syncing and some famous lip syncing disasters. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, people know one anyway from the introduction to this episode, but uh, there's a couple of memorable ones. But this looks like a great time for a break. So let's go to our music history moment. And we're going to be going back to 1986 for this one. So we'll be back in a couple of moments. On November 15th, 1986, pop music history was made as the top five singles in the UK were all by female vocalists. The list included Corinne Drury from Swing Out Sister, Melon Kim, Susanna Hoffs from The Bangles, Kim Wilde, and Terry Nunn from Berlin, who had the number one song, the monster hit Take My Breath Away, which was featured in the equally popular movie Top Gun. Take My Breath Away also won the Academy Award for Best Original Song that year. And now, let's get back to the show. You know, Aaron, part of me uh, is not surprised, but surprised at the same time that it took until 1986 to have the uh, top five spots uh, by female vocalist. Uh, That was the UK charts, but... Well, you know, kind of piggybacking on that, and, it's, and it, it, it shocks me too that it that it took to that year. But have you ever seen the list of uh, female artists who are not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? It must be huge. Well, you're looking at people like Carol King, um, Bjork, Kate Bush, Dolly Parton. Um, how about this? Cheryl Crow is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mariah Carey, I think. Um, Mary J. Blige, there are so many uh, female artists that it's still kind of the uh, men's group, right? But yeah. So when you tell me that, that it took to that year to get five women in the top five vocalists, Carol King, not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah, no kidding, eh? Because she's a Kennedy Center honoree. I mean, she's done everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Tapestry, what a huge album that was. One of the largest selling albums of all time. Yep. And, uh, you know, uh, speaking of the Rock, rock and Roll Hall of Fame, um, I mean, Sister Rosetta Tharp didn't get inducted until 2018. Yeah, 2018. Right? I, and I, I always remember that Chuck Berry quote where he said, you know, I spent my whole career doing a one big Sister Rosetta Tharp impression. <laughs> I love Chuck Berry. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you got to love that man. Yep. So uh, we're going to talk about some artists who have been accused of uh, lip syncing. And we're also going to talk about a couple of uh, lip syncing disasters. And, uh, but first let's go over, uh, you had a list of some people who were, have been accused over the years of lip syncing and we'll, we'll dive into, you know, why they've been accused. It makes total sense, of course, but, uh, go ahead. Well, and I, and I, I want to be clear that I'm not talking about lip syncing on television. I'm talking about, you just shelled out $150 for a ticket to go to, I got, you know, in Ottawa or Montreal or Toronto, and the following artists have been accused of lip syncing, which we New Kids on the Block, uh, Paula Abdul, Cher, Madonna, uh, Britney Spears, Mariah Carey, Miley Cyrus. I mean, these are, this is not, we're not talking 1965 here, Tony. 
We're talking, yeah. you know, I mean, these artists, and I guess it's an ethical question. And I know the argument's going to be, yeah, well, look at Madonna, she's dancing and all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's true enough. But then hire dancers so you can sing live. I mean, I, I, I get kind of, I get tired of the excuse, well, people expect a big extravaganza. I saw Roger Waters do the wall. You don't get a bigger extravaganza than the wall. And there was no lip syncing that night. That I, I mean, nothing was lip synced. So, um, oh, wait, the airplane crashing into the wall. Fair enough. Yeah. Other than that, <laughs> <laughs> other than that, man, it was totally alive. So, yeah, those artists and, and Britney Spears, to her credit, to her credit, has come full disclosure and said, yeah, I, I when I did my uh, Las Vegas residency, I lip synced most of those shows. Um, yeah, you know? and I think I think the commonality with all those shows, and it really does when we talk about Millie Vanilli next, because I'd like to touch on that right after this. Yeah, I think it really started in that period in the '80s, you know. Uh, but the one thing that all of those artists and Jennifer Lopez and all of them who've been accused oh, I of that, J- yeah, J-Lo, I forgot her. Yeah, J-Lo. that's right. Is their stage shows involve so much dancing that I mean, there's no way uh, you would be able to sing and be gyrating and you know, doing cartwheels and whatever else they're doing up there. Um, but I agree with you, you know, if you're shelling out a hundred or 150 bucks, uh, you know, I, I expect you to be singing if I'm shelling out that kind of coin to go to a concert. Now I would, I wouldn't be caught dead going to a Mariah Carey show though. So I... <laughs> no, I think it's a safe bet. You're not going to, you're not going to bump into me there. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think your point earlier on, I think it's the influence of music videos. Don't you think so? Like oh, people got so. so used to seeing these things on music videos, they wanted Madonna to do the same thing at the ACC. Yeah, see, and I, as a musician, I always found well, that so weird that you know everybody that I knew said, "Oh, you know what? That the show was nothing like the album." But you know, that's one of the reasons I love someone like Billy Joel is because his live versions don't sound like the album. And in fact, in many cases uh, are way better. And, um, well, you're saying with New York state of mind to me. Oh my gosh. Um, and for anybody listening out there, look up Billy Joel's uh, performance on the old gray whistle test. Now that was a show where they didn't lip sync. That was not lip sync. And, uh, Billy's set on there is unbelievable. And he's a very young man on there, but, uh, incredible, incredible. And I, I, and there's artists like Neil Young, Bob Dylan, Uh, But even newer artists, too, that are performing live and they alter the songs and people come away criticized. I saw I went to uh, I went to see Imagine Dragons with my daughter, Emily, and I I said to my wife later, I go, you know, we could have just stayed home and watched the DVD. Yes. Really. For all intents and purposes. Right. But, you know. Well, you know, I, I same thing um, with arena concerts as well. I, I went to see U2 in Montreal and there were oh. 90,000 people there. Wow. And I mean, because I, I had always wanted to see U2 live, but I may as well, in all honesty, Aaron, I may, may as well have been at home watching on the sofa because we were in this pen so far away from stage that we were watching the screen more than we were yeah. watching the, the show, you know, and that kind of did it for me for arena shows. Yeah, That was, yeah. That was the last one I've been to, actually. I just thought well, maybe the last one ever. <laughs> well, that's right. And, and it does look odd now, eh? When you when you start watching some footage and and everybody's crowded together, and you're yeah. like, "Okay, guys, you got to separate. Put your masks on." <laughs> yeah, especially at Springsteen. You've watched Springsteen live, and everyone's together. You know, fist bump. Yeah, yeah. 
So we have to talk about Millie Vanilli because yeah. that was that was the big one. Um, and you know they they got caught lip syncing at an MTV Live uh, performance in July of '89. So it was suspected that they were lip syncing their concerts, but it wasn't until um, 1990, well November 15th, 1990, when Frank Farian finally admitted that you know what. Uh, they didn't even sing on the albums. So they were just pretty faces who were up there lip syncing and dancing. And it was uh, other people singing on the albums. Yeah. And they, uh, when they had signed on, they were young men too, right? They were both in their mid twenties and um, they had all these rules that they had to follow. Um, supposedly they had auditioned for Farian because he liked their look, but he didn't, uh, didn't like their voices enough. And so he hired, people to do the actual singing but um they weren't allowed to be seen in public at all with the background singers like there were all these restrictions on them and they thought they were going to get away with it and uh finally i mean it came out and and uh it was it was i remember that very very clearly and uh the people who were doing the background or, or doing the actual singing were in their 40s you know these were all established studio guys who were it was it was pretty amazing. To, they, what they a revelation! Their, they had to give their Grammy back, did they not? They gave the Grammy back. Yeah. And um, one of them, uh, Rob Pilatus, actually died when he was thirty-two, overdose, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, just uh, that did it for him. The interesting thing, though, is Fab Morvan is still around, and he um, he actually did a duet a few years ago with uh, one of the guys who was his lip sync person on the albums which i thought was cool and morvin can actually sing too which yeah. which is which is a shame you know because that pretty much destroyed his chance of having a, a music career that millie vanilli scandal but uh again you know i guess it was the whole the whole gloss do you remember their videos and things every everything was so glossy and the presentation and the looks oh, choreographed and, and 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 slow-mo and the hair and the oh yeah no 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 they had it down yeah, and and you know, I almost think it had to happen that uh, that scandal almost had to happen to to just move pop music or rock music in a new direction because uh, it was getting ridiculous. Yeah. How you know the uh, that period in the late eighties? Sure, sure enough, it did move on right because the nineties we we saw grunge happen and very very different philosophy of music making. I know, but you know, it, it, it's it's t- that took lip syncing one step too far. Oh, I agree. You know, and, uh, and I'm I'm ashamed to say I liked the album when it came out. Like I, I thought it was a well produced, great songs, um, good album. You, you know? know, I I had it on cassette actually. So <laughs> I have the vinyl. How about that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I switched uh, once I got my uh, first Walkman. I switched to uh, buying cassettes there. So the biggest biggest format in the late '80s cassettes before CDs just killed everybody. But yeah. 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 So Millie Vanilli was the big one. And uh, the other big one, of course, 2004, um, Ashley Simpson on <laughs> Saturday <Sorry>. Night Live. <laughs> yes. You can just see it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I I remember that one well. Yeah. That was embarrassing. Yeah. yeah that was a, a train wreck. And um, of course, her reaction didn't win her over any new fans because she, uh, you know, was blaming it on the band. And, um, all kinds of things. And I did see an interview with her uh, that was only about a, maybe from last year. 
And now she's owned it. And she said, yeah, you know what? That was totally on me. Um, but at the time, right? Just trying to cover for it. And, and uh, what, a, what a train wreck. A little too, a little too, little too late. I mean, that's, uh, but you know what almost comes as close as that one? Is 2016, December 31st. Oh, yes. Uh, Mariah, <laughs> you know where I'm going. Mariah Carey. Yeah, that, I mean, that would be just as bad, actually. She, she just stopped singing. Yeah, <laughs> and just started walking around. Then she did. She sit down on the stage too at some point. Like I think so, and she was just talking in yeah. the middle of it. And, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was just brutal. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it was I was watching that with a combination of horror and I'm ashamed to say this, but glee at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> me too, Tony. I'm gonna I'm gonna own that. Uh, yeah, me too. I'm, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent on that one. Yeah. Uh, just but, not, not a fan. I, I was, I got to tell, can I tell this story about what I was telling you about the sure, girl? Absolutely. Yeah. So I've been a music teacher for a long time. I'm, I'm a dinosaur and, uh, <laughs> you're not a dinosaur. But back when, um, Mariah Carey and Christina Aguilera and all the, uh, Aguilera and all the pop princesses. And I would have these girls, uh, you know, they, they, uh, come to the music room and they would say, Mr. Stewart, can you accompany me for the Christmas talent show? And I'd say, sure. And uh, they would do a Christmas carol, but they'd be trying to sing it like um, Mariah Carey or Christina Aguilera. So, you know, just take, for example, if they were doing Jingle Bells, we, most people, you know, Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle all the way. You know, what I would be getting from them, Jingle Bells. You know, and, and I'd be just, will you please stop? And because... Not only were they like, you know, almost looking like they're having a seizure there, but they were, they were, you know, singing in about five different keys. Right. And I'd be like, stop, just, can you sing the melody please first, you know? And, and, uh, I found that period of pop music actually, uh, hated it because of that, because it gave the impression that you could just get up there and sing and embellish. And the thing that people forgot is as much as I'm not a Mariah Carey fan or a Christina Aguilera fan, I mean, they're, they're very talented ladies and they have incredible voices and they know how to sing in tune. And if you ask them, they could sing the melody just fine, perfectly in tune. Right. But, uh, but these girls, I remember, uh, you know, didn't know that and they'd want to sing it exactly the way Mariah sang it. Right. And, and it would be all over the place. And, Oh, it was just frustrating. Bless their hearts. You know, and the other one for me, the other one for me, uh, television was the, the show Glee, um, mm. drove, drove me crazy. Yeah. They lip synced. Yes, of course. And that was, <laughs> that was all, uh, lip synced and that drove me crazy again because then every kid, all of a sudden we got to start a Glee club at the school. And they, and because on the show, they, they just start impromptu singing and it would be perfect. And, and it created all these unrealistic expectations of live performance and, um, you know, kid, cause you never saw on Glee, the hard work that goes into performing like that on stage. And so, uh, kids would be, you know, they, they want to start one and then all of a sudden realizing what kind of work was involved, uh, you know, and they or, wanted to be the star too, right? Yes. Always about being the star, you know, never wanting to sing harmonies and stuff. So I was, I was really glad actually to see that little musical phase pass as well. 
you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because uh, yeah, Glee, Glee was a bit of a thought, and both well, one, one daughter really liked the show. So of course, as a good dad, I would watch her with her, and it'd just be like cringing. But anyways, that's a story for another time. Well, that's right. I, I, I just want to, you know, well, you know, we'll talk about it in the next segment because it kind of ties into what we're going to talk about. So, yeah. All right. Well, in that case, let's take another break and we'll uh, do our famous musical birthdays and we'll be right back. Well, first up on November 15th, 1932, Petula Clark from the UK was born and she had a couple of huge hits, including the number one single Downtown in 1965. Next up in 1945, Swedish singer songwriter Annie Frid Lingstad from ABBA was born. Of course, ABBA needs no explanation. And in 1949, we saw the arrival of Steve Fawson from the American rock band Heart. And now, let's get back to the show. And we're back. And in this segment, uh, you know, some artists just won't compromise. Uh, They will not uh, go on and lip sync uh, under any circumstances. And... uh, you had a list of a few of them, didn't you? That uh, I remember you were reading that out to me the other day when we were chatting about mm-hmm. this. Yeah, who are some of those people? Well, I think I think the main one in his career that he just simply refused, and I don't know that there's, other than his music videos, uh, Prince. Prince would not. Yes, yes. He, he never did American Bandstand, I'll tell you right now, because he couldn't lip sync. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't agree. If Prince was going to go on a stage, he was going to play live. Bob Dylan. I don't think Bob Dylan could lip sync. Quite Probably frankly. not. <laughs> just don't yeah. It's hard to, uh, it would be hard to imitate that kind of mumbling style of singing too, wouldn't it? Like oh it yeah. Be... I, poor guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so a lot of the, a lot of the older are Paul McCartney, um, you know, under certain circumstances he's had to, but like when he did Super Bowl, the agreement was I'm not lip syncing. It's, it's going to go out live or I'm not doing it. And he yeah. went out live, which was kind of. It's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a few artists such as though, and I'm sure there's, I'm sure people are listening are going to go, what about, what about, what about? There's a lot of other artists who, Jody Mitchell's one. I, I, I didn't tell you this, but I went to a television taping of, uh, do you remember the Rita McNeil show? Yep. So I, my wife and I got tickets to see, she was taping a show at the CBC studios here in Toronto and Joni Mitchell was her special guest. And uh, Joni Mitchell, I mean, she did a song four or five times to get it right. But I'm telling you, there was no lip syncing going on for, for Joni. So I kind of, I thought that was pretty cool that she wouldn't do that. Neil Young is another one. Yeah, I was um, going to say Neil Young. He does not, uh, he, he, again, like Dylan, I'm not so sure he could. But mm-hmm. you know, but we, we have some examples of where artists are going to kind of fight the system, right? Oh, yeah, we do. And uh, so we're going to talk about a few of those now because there's some great stories and folks, um, if you can find these videos on YouTube, and if, and if uh, I'll try to put them in the show notes as well, there are some really, really funny ones. So uh, we'll start with Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden. Uh, during an a, appearance on German TV, uh, the band just made a total mockery. And this is something quite common, actually. They, they made a total mockery of it by swapping instruments. So he swapped with a bass player and made no attempt at all. And when you watch that video, no attempt at all. To, to line up. They just, just made a complete mockery of it. <laughs> well, you know, uh, that's like Pink Floyd. A lot of people don't know this, that Pink Floyd made their um, television debut in America in 1967 on 
American Bandstand, and they're doing Apples and Oranges. And this is when Sid Barrett was the lead singer, the the recognized leader of Pink Floyd. <laughs> and the song starts, and he just doesn't move his mouth. He just sits there and stares at the camera, doesn't make a move, doesn't he doesn't move an inch. And, and all of a sudden, the camera swings over to Roger Waters, who doesn't have a mic in front of him, but starts mouthing the words. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we got to do something here. And Sid just stood there. And they, kept, they would cut back periodically to Sid just staring into the camera. But, you know, that's that was a, because they wanted to perform live. And Sid was going, I, I'm not lip syncing, man. And Pink Floyd's another band that never, that, that, that other than that performance, on, they never did another lip syncing show, let me tell you. And and you know the speaking of bandstand, uh, this is the one that I was telling you about earlier yeah, I want today. To hear this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Johnny Rotten of all people, uh, when he was playing with uh, Public Image Limited, got invited to American Bandstand. So Dick Clark invited him. Now, my first question is, why would you invite Johnny Rotten, um, you know, to come on American Bandstand and expect that nothing's going to happen? But maybe you know, maybe Clark knew. That was going to happen. Could have been a ratings thing too. You never know. Sure. But uh, I, I've watched the video a couple a couple times, and it's it's funny. So Johnny Rotten just sits there at the beginning. He's just sitting there on the stage, doesn't move, <laughs> and then he um, gets up, mumbles a little bit. He's wandering into the audience. Meanwhile, they're all faking playing their instruments and it was it was just totally ridiculous and uh <laughs> by judging by uh dick clark's reaction i don't think he expected them to go quite that far afterwards you know and but uh it was it was yeah totally saying oh we're not gonna lip sync this thing well <laughs> yeah you gotta check it out okay i'm going as soon as we're done i'm gonna you know before i go to bed tonight i'm gonna go on youtube and, and find that but, you know, it's not lip syncing, but to your point earlier on, sometimes, you know, being live TV, one doesn't know. So Saturday Night Live is a good example yeah. where they have live performances and, and, and uh, you, you hope for the best. But Dick Clark wanted to control everything. So everyone who's going to be on his show was going to lip sync and they're going to do yep. wear nice clothes and, you know, hollow notes and all those people. Right. Yep. So. And you know, since you mentioned Saturday Night Live, I'm going to give a plug for next week's episode. Ah, I, that's going to be a, that's going to be a great one too. Uh, next week, we're going to be doing an episode all about notable uh, Saturday Night Live performances, and uh, of course, uh, Neil Young will be on that list for sure. But uh, the Ashley Simpson one, when we were talking about that, we thought we should do an episode about Saturday Night Live performances because well, there there have been some fantastic ones. Besides, see, when, they, when they do the lip syncing, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but you know when you talk about bands who don't want to lip sync i didn't know i didn't know this so i was doing research for the show do you know the film lame is yep i didn't know that none of that was lip synced uh, they actually sang to a piano track and did everything live on film and I later no on i didn't either and then later on they augmented the sound with full orchestra so they so the orchestra was given the i guess you'd say the vocals and they built, so I don't consider that lip syncing. I, I, no. it's, it's magic or that, but, but they added the orchestra after the actors or after the singers sang their lines. And, and the reason for that was because they, they said, look, if you're doing a film and people are talking, they don't lip sync. They, unless you're dubbing in a Godzilla film, but um, 
you know, there's no lip syncing going on. So they wanted to have that kind of a conversation going on with singing. I had no idea that that was all live. That's very cool. I tip my hat to that. Yeah, that is pretty neat. I had no idea either. Um, Nirvana was on <laughs> was on top of the pops in this should be good. Yeah, in 1991. And uh, Top of the Pops, uh, had they used the backing track and then the singer would sing. Mm-hmm. And so the backing track starts out and Cobain is looking pretty pissed off. Um, and uh, he starts singing, Smells Like Teen Spirit, and he starts singing it in a monotone, down an octave, if you can believe it. And, and very, very obvious that uh, he was not happy. And he continues the whole performance like that, you know, just very deadpan, down an octave. I don't want to be here doing this kind of kind of vibe. So that's another one to check out. Oh, man. There's so many. Do you have any more? I do. I have two more. All right. Let's hear them. <laughs> the Red Hot Chili Peppers at the Super Bowl halftime show. Oh, I uh, forgot that. Yes. And they, uh, they wanted to play live and Super Bowl said no. So they were kind of uh, pissed off and they didn't even bother to plug in their instruments. So, <laughs> so the camera is panning around and they're not even plugged in and they're just, I you know, not, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And making, making their displeasure obvious. And of course, um, the Gallagher brothers, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> Liam and Noah <laughs> Oasis. So, oh dear, uh, dear, dear. Again, their appearance on top of the pops and, uh, this one is a train wreck as well. Um, they just decide they're going to switch instruments. And uh, Liam just put this half-assed effort into, you know, miming the guitar solo. And uh, <laughs> it was another train wreck, you know, but just making their displeasure known to the producers. And what can you do, eh? Well, you know, it, it, and I guess it's a bit of a game, right? You got to sell the records. So, uh, you know, I guess nowadays, I mean, what, what what do they have now that people go on and lip sync to? I mean, most everything. Um, I mean, I was, I was surprised. I was watching uh, American Music Courts. It was, you can, and you know, Tony, you know, and I know when you're watching it, if they're lip syncing. That's right. For To me, it's fairly obvious, right? So anyway, so I'm going to watch a bit of the Country Music Association tonight and see what kind of train wreck that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. But uh, I guess it's one of those decisions as an artist, you know, you have to make if you're going to go on bandstand. And because like we said, Dick Clark was more interested in, in, uh, you know, this is a radio show for TV. And, um, and, and I, I, I think that's understandable. And I think if people know in advance, and yeah, they agree to, and they agree to go on, you know, if you sign the contract, then but uh, yeah, some artists obviously uh, figured they might be able to get away with it. But yeah, uh, those performances, the the Oasis one is is uncomfortable I, to I watch. The only other one I can bring up is um, I don't know if you uh, ABC remember mm. ABC in the eighties. Yep, they were doing Solid Gold, and uh, they had to, they were doing um, When Smokey Sings, which was their, their single at the time, and they they couldn't perform live, so they hired actors to play the band. Who have oh. never played an instrument before? Oh boy! And they hired a they hired a um, uh, a model, I guess you could say. But uh, she was playing keyboards. She had never touched a keyboard in her life. She, she it's it's quite funny to watch actually, because they, they just and there's Martin Fry, just gold lame and the whole bit, you know. But it's a bit uh, it's a bit awkward to watch. Yeah, send me that after. Yeah, I will. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I will. 
Well, you know what? This is hard to believe, but we're uh, coming to the end of the show here, and we have to tie this into the Beatles. I got a good one. Okay, Aaron, how are you going to tie this into the Beatles? So Paul McCartney, 1984, made a film called Give My Regards to Broad Street. I was in high school when that came out. Me, yeah, me as well. And uh, he didn't, again, it's not a musical. There's a lot of musical songs in it. But here's something that people didn't really know, that every single song in that film, other than the montage to Long and Winding Road, when you see McCartney singing a song, he is performing it live. There was no overdubs. So, you know, he's rehearsing. He's got the band in the rehearsal studio, filmed completely live. He has the orchestra during the Eleanor Rigby and the For No One. Everything was done live. Uh, and he, he insisted. He said, I, I, the only way I can do this is to play it live. So um, whenever you see him singing in that film, it's 100% live. He didn't lip sync anything in that movie. I'm going to go back and watch that. I haven't seen that for a good 25 years. You know, yeah, so. it's it's interesting to watch it. When he's in the studio with Ringo, and they're doing the little medley uh, here, there, and everywhere. And then he's doing the rehearsal. And then, um, yeah, it's all live. Other than there's that montage where he's driving around and he's listening to The Long and Winding Road. Fair enough. It's a montage. But everything else was done live. Right on. I've got a tie-in as well, actually. and uh, <laughs> Yeah, yours is funny, <laughs> Yeah, so this is kind of an anti-lip sync tying into the Beatles. Uh, uh, when the Beatles were playing at you know, their arena concerts, and especially when it was getting really crazy, 1965, uh, John Lennon, uh, in one of the biographies I read, uh, they were saying that uh, he would quite often just stand there and stop singing uh, because the crowd noise, the girls were screaming so loud that he couldn't hear, they couldn't hear themselves anyway. And uh, he would just do things like swear into the microphone and all <laughs> kinds of talking, whatever, whatever he felt like. But uh, changing the words, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a funny story about that. Is that um, have you ever heard Ringo talk about that? And he said he couldn't hear what the guys were playing, so he had to kind of. If you watch the films, Ringo's kind of always looking around the drum kit to see if he can read their lips to know oh, what wow. part of the song they're in. <laughs> yeah, the noise would have been deafening. I know I, my sister-in-law, she saw them at the Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens and she said it, she was up in the greys and she said it was, it was great to be there because she saw the Beatles, but she couldn't hear anything. It was just, she, she compared it to the sound of a jet taking off, you know, oh, that, wow. you know, so. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was as loud as well, actually. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. What an interesting show this has been. I, I, you know, talking about lip syncing is very... And by the way, we at no time lip synced during this show. No, we didn't at all. <laughs> <laughs> all all taped live. Live, 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 yeah. That's right. And this is uh, what you hear is what, what you, you get. get. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we are going to be back next week with our uh, S famous SNL performances. I, I'm really looking forward to that one as well, but... Uh, yeah. In the meantime, folks, thanks so much for listening. Um, and uh, as always, if you want to subscribe, you'll get the latest episode news uh, right in your uh, podcast app. And if you want to leave us a rating or a review, that's always handy. You can visit our website, uh, stewytunes.com. We've always got show notes for every episode. And uh, I'll make sure to post some of these video performances. I'll try to, f I'll get the Johnny Rotten one posted on the show notes. You have to. Yeah, you have yeah. to. Yeah. 
But uh, in the meantime, uh, folks, stay safe. Stay well. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Stewie Tunes Show. Follow us on social media or visit us online at stewietunes.com. And if you're enjoying the show, don't forget to click subscribe.